<coughs> All right. Well, we are, uh, have begun our study in the book of Acts last week, and uh, we saw last week that the stage was set for a, a powerful, world-altering kind of spiritual explosion in the book of Acts. We compared the stages of Jesus' work, if you will, with the disciples, the things that he did with the disciples and preparing them specifically for this this, uh, again, world-altering, community-transforming type of move of the Spirit of God. And we compared our church and the stages that we've seen and the, the places where God has taken us literally over the past 10 years, just major, major uh, events and major uh, foundational ideas that God has given us as a church that compared exactly, really, to the disciples and what they were having to have, the preparation that Jesus was giving them in order to get them to the point where the Holy Spirit would be able to come in and make them a community that would bless the people around them. God would make them, the believers, a community of people that would bless the, the, uh, all the people that were around them. And we are those people, church. Y'all with me? Everybody awake already? Everybody settled in? We are those people. God has done these same things in our church. Last week we looked at the fact that the disciples gained a, without a doubt, knowledge that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Jesus gave them that before the Holy Spirit came. They needed to know that they knew that they knew that the Holy Spirit, or that Jesus had risen from the dead. We have that historical fact. We talked about last week, over 500 people at one time saw Jesus alive after his death. We need that. We need to know that Jesus is alive. Otherwise, everything that we preach and teach is in vain, right? So we have that. God gave us that in the story of the disciples, in the, in the testimony of, uh, just like in any other historical testimony. If you read the history books, it's the testimony of people that know that these facts occurred trustworthy people who gave us these facts. And we don't doubt that historical figures lived uh, and died. And we don't doubt the stories that have been told about those historical figures because they lived in front of people, right? In the same way, we have the historical facts that Jesus is alive even though he was dead. We need that, all right? Hold on to that because the enemy tries to get us to doubt that. Maybe Jesus wasn't really alive. Maybe, uh, you know, whatever, any number of things, possibilities. Maybe his body was stolen away. If you hadn't seen The Case for Christ or hadn't read the book, read the book, see the movie, it helps you to understand from a, from a, uh, a logical, historical, uh, research-oriented perspective that Jesus was risen from the dead. We need that. Secondly, the disciples were told not to work without the Holy Spirit guiding their every step. Y'all with me? We needed that. We have believed in that. We have made a decision as a church that that would be one of our distinctives, that we would do nothing as a church that the Holy Spirit did not lead us to do. We have literally started over. The elders of the church, the congregation, who we were when we started the gathering place, we said we're, we're emptying the pages and we're asking God to write into this, this uh, congregation what our 
beliefs and practices would be. So we are a little strange to, according to some people's vision or, or view of what the church should be, but, but we are not strange compared to what God has called us to be. We are exactly what the Lord has asked us to be. Now, we, we, we obviously at times falter in our, in our uh, practice of those things that God's told us to be and to do. But we have not put anything into the life of this body that God has not given us. This is his body. Our goal, anyway, as elders and as, as a church is to follow God's lead. Y'all with me? Third thing, the disciples were told not to focus on the timing or the results. And we are not results-focused in this church. Uh, we're, we're not worried about the timing of when God's going to do his, his work through this body. He continually does it. But there's a work. There is a something that God has also promised us. Just like he promised the Holy Spirit would come to them, he promised that to us. That promise has been for us. The Holy Spirit would come to us and guide us and lead us and that he would use us in this community. And so we're ready for that. And then the final two things that happened in chapter 2 of the book of Acts, final two preparatory steps to set the stage was that the Holy Spirit came and filled the disciples, who were the 120 disciples who were gathered in the upper room and gave them visible evidence, their own personal experience that the Holy Spirit had come into them. Literally, they saw tongues of fire descending on each one. They felt the wind of the Holy Spirit uh, literally blowing in the room like a mighty rushing wind in a room. It was evident that, that the Holy Spirit was there. They needed that. They needed that evidence that the Holy Spirit had come. I don't know why we think we don't need evidence that the Holy Spirit is in us and working through us and, and, and moving and guiding us and showing us himself. I don't know why we think we don't need that. We need that, and our church believes in that. We're not, we're not limiting God to certain manifestations. You don't have to speak in tongues in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to... Um, have any particular signs of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is real. He lives in your life, and He will manifest Himself by leading you, by giving you direction and guidance, as Jesus said He would, that He would guide us, that He would convict us, that He would, uh, would lead us uh, and give us the words of Jesus to live by, that He would give us truth that we don't understand yet, that He gives us that. He leads us to walk and to live life, and He empowers us, as Jesus said He would. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will give you power, and, you, and he gives us the opportunity to witness, and he brings people into our lives. So the Holy Spirit has come, and we have, as a church, seen the manifestations individually of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not some weird, far-out thing. It's a very normal thing for a Christian to be, to be filled with and guided by and to experience the Holy Spirit in their lives. So we believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a second-class part of the Trinity. We don't believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible, and then the Holy Spirit is in there somewhere. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Bible is God, God uses the Holy Spirit to bring truth through His Word. And so, and so we're ready. The stage is set. And the only other thing that Jesus said, or that passage said, that set the stage is that, that God brought around them people from every nation, that God brought to Jerusalem people from every nation. He told them to stay in Jerusalem because he was going to bring people around them. God has brought us here. He's put you here. He's put you in the place where you work. He's put you in the places where you eat, where you fellowship, in the neighborhood where you live. God has placed you there. Y'all with me? 
I'm saying that over and over again because I know this. Satan wants to distract us from these messages we're about to go through. And I'll talk about that in just a minute in detail. We're going to walk through this today. But listen, you've got to work on yourself to stay focused because Satan wants these messages to go in one ear and out the other because they are vital. Once that stage was set for the disciples, they needed to be guided every step by the Holy Spirit in their lives. They needed to know how to defeat the enemy when he tried to distract them and bring them off, which he does all the way through the book of Acts. So the stage was set last week. Now, it would seem that if we would go the way we normally go, uh, we would continue in the book of Acts. We've never started a book study and not continue to walk through it. But today we're going to do something different. Most of you know that I've been reading uh, the book called The Invisible War by Chip Ingram. I've recommended it to you and I will recommend it again for the next few Sundays, four or five Sundays. We're going to walk through the content of this book. Uh, well, we're going to walk through the, the, the scripture that's tied to spiritual warfare. Because what happens, remember, remember when we talked about Satan a few weeks, uh, maybe months ago? We talked about where he came from. We talked about uh, that he was a fallen angel and was sent to earth before the, the earth was, um, you know, between Genesis chapter 1 when the earth was formed or created and it was without form and void. That, that it was without form and void because after God created the earth, he sent Satan down and Satan caused chaos. He caused the, the chaos that was in the earth until God comes in chapter, in verse 2 and, and uh, begins to create in this, out of this chaos, what we see and experience now. But Satan was here. He was cast here. He's an enemy of God. He, uh, he wanted to be God, and he was cast out of heaven, and, he, uh, and God allows him to rule and to reign on the earth. He is the prince of the power of the air, according to the scripture. God gives him the ability. He did not cast him out of the world yet. He lives here. He works. He has demons. A third of the angels were cast out of heaven with him and live on the earth and are, his, are doing his bidding. So he's an enemy to us. He hates God and he hates us. And we need to know that because as the stage is set for this beautiful awakening to happen, this spiritual explosion to happen in our community like it was in the book of Acts, we need to know that we have somebody who's against us and we need to know his tactics. We need the spiritual CIA, right? We need some intelligence to come in and tell us what's his tactics, where's he going, how's he, how's he trying to deceive us and, and distract us and move us away from being this, this body that brings about spiritual awakening. All right, listen, church. He is, he is here today. I wish I could say that Satan was banned from this, this building, but the truth is he's here. Truth is we've brought him in with us, some of us, not living in us, but he is with us. We, we brought him in with attitudes. He, we brought him in with lack of sleep. We brought him in with bad uh, morning. We brought him in. I, I told you guys yesterday, I put on our feed, how significant this day was and how you needed to watch because of all days, for the next few weeks, when we start revealing the truth about the enemy, Satan does not want you here. We are going to tell the truth. I'm going to give you scripture after scripture. We're not going to have time to go through all of them. I'm going to give you a list of scriptures today that you can go look up by yourself. I, I, want, I encourage you to take notes, to write these things down. Get out your phone and, and get these lists up. And start searching the scripture because this is, is so vital because all of us have been so deceived by the enemy. We're, we, it's so easy for us to be distracted and pulled away 
from the cause of Christ. Satan hates us. He hates the work of God. So in the book of Acts, Satan obviously is not going to sit back while this awakening happens. Uh, he's not going to sit back and, and, and not do anything. He's not going to take an awakening or a spiritual explosion coming into his territory, the earth. He's not going to take that sitting down. Y'all with me? Satan doesn't, is not going to take it sitting down. We're going to see when we go through the book of Acts. Uh, we're, we're setting the stage now for this so that you will know as we go through the book of Acts. But you're going to see all the distractions and Satan's attempts to diminish or even destroy the spiritual explosion that's happening in the world because there were a few men and women who were willing to be used by God and the Holy Spirit filled them up and they were empowered to bring about this tremendous change. God's about to do a great work through TGP West. Y'all believe that? Say, oh yeah. Man, lives are about to be changed all around us, and Satan knows it, and he's already put his plan into action to destroy it. Realize that. He destroys a church one person at a time. Don't think that you're exempt from it. We're not talking about, we don't do church like everybody else or like we used to, let's put it that way. We do church as individuals who are seeking God, pursuing God, walking with God, knowing his spirit individually, and then we all come together. This is not, this church is not going to be what God wants us to be if you're not who God's called you to be. Take responsibility. You need to know how to do battle. Satan is good at distracting us. He's had 2,000 years of experience to draw from. He's been tremendously successful, not only hindering, but in most cases, halting spiritual awakening. Do you know that the 20th century was the first century in the, in the uh, uh, life of the United States of America that there wasn't a spiritual awakening? We had a whole thousand years, or hundred years, I mean, where there was no spiritual awakening. You think Satan doesn't have, his, doesn't have us where he wants us? The church, the, 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 this spiritual vitality, this life that God wants to give the body of Christ so that the world can see who he is, has been stolen away from us because Satan has lulled us to sleep. Disciples knew Satan's tactics because they walked with Jesus and they saw the attacks that happened in Jesus' life every day. They experienced them daily. Satan launched an all-out attack to Jesus because he was determined to walk in no, in, in, to have no will of his own, but simply to walk in the Father's plan. They knew. We, on the other hand, have become dull and in some cases have not even realized that we're being controlled. As a church, if we're going to move with God into this spiritual explosion, anything that's similar to what happened in the book of Acts, which I believe God wants to do here, anything similar to that, then if we're ever going to be a community that blesses, which is our, our desire and God's call for us, then we need to be aware of our enemy's tactics. So read the book, Invisible War. It'll be the best book you ever read on spiritual warfare. It's solid. It's the most solid theological book on spiritual warfare I've ever read. Finally, in my opinion, a great book on spiritual warfare. That the most uh, uh, diligent theological student in here at Louisiana College who's studying uh, for ministry and, and taking the, the original languages seriously and trying to, trying to uh, dive into the context of Scripture, you're going to love this book to the person who has no idea of anything about spiritual warfare. I'm telling you, this book is awesome. 
So use it. We're going to dive into some of the parts today. I hope this whets your appetite. Let's go. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going today. We're going to spend the next few Sundays in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. And we're going to make a few points today, and I'm going to give you some homework assignments to take home with you. I'll post this on our Facebook page, these lists today. I'll post, post uh, these lists on the Facebook page today so you can draw from it. If you're not on our church Facebook, if you'll see me or any of our members after, let's get you on that so you can dive in with us. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in, and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand Uh, Take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the, the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Let's break that apart. We're just going to touch on this today. We're, going to, that, we're studying that passage for the next four to five weeks, so get ready, right? But let's talk about it today. Just a couple of things we need to know today as we begin this. And let me say this. It, 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 this thought hit me this morning. I remember reading a story about these, these two brothers who, uh, they, were called, they were twin brothers, uh, I think, or anyway, they were, the Pilates were their name. I told this story years ago uh, when we were in, in Tioga. But came across this story about the Pilate brothers who were poor uh, men who were dumpster divers living in a cave uh, somewhere. I don't remember where it was. But the thought hit me this morning about them. They were dumpster diver poor, living in a cave, didn't have a home, had no possessions. And they, in their, they became the, inherit, the inheritors of a great fortune. And nobody could find them to figure out, uh, to give them the inheritance that they got from some uh, family member they didn't know. So they were living in a cave and dumpster diving for food when they were, in fact, incredibly wealthy. Uh, Now, they ultimately, they they were found, and that's where I read the story I read. They found them, and so, but they lived for years as dumpster divers when they had this wealth waiting on them, ready for them. It was theirs, rightfully theirs. Now, I thought this morning, some of us are living that way. Satan has deceived you in whatever category of your life into thinking that you are a dumpster diving Christian who has to put up with all the junk in your life and deal with circumstances that are hard and problems and illness in your life in a way that, you are, that, that defeats you instead of walking in the wealth that you have in Christ. We need to know what we have in Christ. And we need to know what, that the enemy is trying to keep us in a cave, getting our food from dumpsters when God has such a great provision for us. First thing he says in this passage or that I want to talk about is our struggle is not against flesh and blood. 
in case you haven't realized it, your struggle is not with the people that are causing you problems. Your struggle is not with your boss. It's not with your family members who don't like you and are constantly giving you strife. It's not with your kids who won't obey you. It's not with your parents who, won't, uh, who don't love you the way you want to be loved. Our, our battle as Christians, believers who are on, on mission with God, is not against flesh and blood. He makes it clear in this passage. We don't struggle against flesh and blood. We are struggling with a whole other world, literally. It's an unseen world, an invisible world. We can't see uh, the, the real, where the real struggle is coming from. All we see is, it's, is what happens in the life of, uh, we see what's, what, how it's manifested through somebody, somebody else's life. You know, we, we, we have this uh, constant ongoing battle about, about guns uh, in, our, in our country, and I'm not here to make a political statement, but I'm just here to say that it is true that a gun has to be in somebody's hands before it can be dangerous to anybody. A gun laying on a table is not dangerous, but a gun in somebody's hands can be, can be fatal. And, and for so long, we think, you know, that it's a good example because we blame a gun. Some people blame a gun. Most people don't. Most people are reasonable enough to know that it's about the people. We've got to come to some, to some solution about that. But the gun itself is not the problem. But sometimes we talk about guns as if they're the problem. And in the same way, sometimes, uh, all the time, Satan has us fooled into thinking that the problem is the people. The problem is the world that we live in. And the truth is, it's not. There's an unseen world that's behind all of that. If you're sick today, you're sick because of the unseen world. Satan has, has brought sin into this world, and, and it, it, it constantly lives here, and it's a part of this world. Sickness is not from God. It's from Satan. If you got up this morning and you had a flat tire, <laughs> Brittany... And, and you were in charge of children's ministry over here, and you couldn't get here because you took your little donut tire out, and it was flat too. That's not of God. That's of this world, right? But there's an enemy behind that. It's not by coincidence that that happens. Guys, we have two of our members with Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer. We had a, one of our members who had a baby, who was pregnant with her baby, and she had a, a, a diagnosis with a chromosome disease that would cause the baby to ultimately be deformed and born uh, deformed and would die in the first few weeks of, of its life. This week, that happened. We have uh, a, a flooded church. It's full of water and, and mess, you know, that uh, we're dealing with. We have members that who their, their water has been cut off and they have no, no access to water. Uh, we, you name it. I've had more calls in the last three weeks as we've been preparing for this message of people telling me that they've had problems in their life, relationship issues, uh, you, you name it, job problems, money problems. It's piling on. The problems are not the job, the money, the water, the buildings. It's not the cancer. It's not the chromosome deficiency, which, by the way, uh, this, we got a report this past week that that was a false positive and that baby is perfectly healthy and, and going to be a beautiful baby boy, McCullen child coming into the world which fills me with joy because God's showing off. He's showing up. But that's, all, that's a spiritual battle. There's stuff going on under the scenes. Our circumstances are not the result of just people and random happenings. There's sin in the world. There's two worlds that are in battle one, against one another. We need to know that. 
It's an invisible world. I want to read a, uh, just a passage of Scripture out of 2 Kings and one out of 2 Corinthians to just give you some, some biblical support for what I'm saying. There is an invisible world. 2 Kings this is the story of uh, King Aram and uh, Elisha. Look at what happens. Verse 8 of chapter 6. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Be, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he, would not, so that he was on, on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. and He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which of, of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord and king, uh, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom. Go find where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. And the report came back. He is in Dothan. And then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. All right? Get the picture. So when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, the, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. <laughs> He's looking around. He said, one, two. Right? And then Elisha prayed. O Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The unseen world became visible. Elisha prayed and asked, the God, asked God to let him see the truth of the unseen world. And he saw these massive amounts of horses and chariots in the unseen world that became visible. You need to know that that's true. This Old Testament prophecy is, or this Old Testament story is a true story, and it's true for us. We are, we are in a world of, there are unseen forces all around us, but, but we are never defeated, and we're never on the weak side. We're always on the winning side, which we'll talk about in a minute. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 said, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to de demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. All right? I'm just going to say it. It's not crazy. You, you, you go read all these scriptures that you already read the book. You'll see the Word of God is very true. You, you do not believe the Word of God if you do not believe that there's, invisible, that there's an invisible world around us that there are invisible forces at war all around us. The Word of God is very clear about that. This is not some way off teaching. Scripture is clear. Go check it out for yourself. There is an invisible war. Another thing, number three, you have a personal enemy. Whether you believe it or not, you have an enemy. And you might be sitting here today and saying, well, I'm, I'm not in the church. It doesn't matter. You have an enemy. Every person that ever lived, that was ever born, it, it has an enemy. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So if you're not a believer, guess what? Your mind is blinded, and not by you. You didn't make a choice to have a blinded mind. 
Satan has blinded your mind so that they can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You have a personal enemy. He is against you. This is not a TGP West experience that we're about to have or that we're having. This is of every person who's ever lived. Every person in this room is is, uh, under attack. Your mind has been blinded, and Satan hates you. Number four, Satan is not taking this lightly. He's not taking it lightly. 1 Peter uh, 5, verses 8 and 9. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Satan is not to be taken lightly. He is real. He is moving and he's working in this world. He is a roaring lion. He, he, at times you feel like he's off of you. You know what that means most times? That you're, you're not walking in the will of God. Now, or either that or you're walking so strongly in the will of God that he knows he can't mess with you. I'm waiting to get there. If you there, help me to know how to get there. I hope this study is going to help us all to get there or get to at least moving that direction. Satan's always working, he, and, and he's not to be taken lightly. Don't let people tell you that Satan isn't real. Let me ask you, do, do you believe Genesis chapter 3? When man was created and, and there's, this, there's Satan in the garden? I mean, it's all over the scriptures in the very beginning. Verse Chronicles 21, when it says that David's the one that, I mean, that Satan's the one that incited David to take the census. Revelation chapter 12, it's Satan that's cast down from heaven. Do you believe the Bible? If you do, the Bible is very clear. Verse after verse after verse about the fact that Satan is real. Don't let people tell you that Satan's not real. The Bible gives us that truth. Jesus himself, in chapter 4, Matthew, verse 1, it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by who? Y'all with me? Who? Whom? The devil. The devil's real. Satan is real. His demons are real. In Luke chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, it says Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. It's a demon. They're real. But look at what else it said. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So it was demons. Jesus was casting out demons. They're real. And everybody knew that, that demons were real. But Satan's not to be taken lightly, church. You know, some of us are just, we're just kind of moseying our way through life. And we think everything's under control and everything's good, but it's not. And for those of you who are determined to walk with us, to make a difference in this community, we need to know that we have an enemy who hates us. He hates God. He hates the Holy Spirit. He hates the fact that we understand how to walk with God and the Holy Spirit. He hates the fact that we have, that the stage has been set at TGP West for us to, to join God and bringing about spiritual explosion. He hates that, and he and his demons are on task right now. Your sickness, your problems, your, your circumstances, your issues are not random. Don't take Satan lightly. Also, <laughs> number five, we need to be acutely aware of Satan, but Listen, church, we do not need to fear him. 1 John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Let me hear y'all say, oh, yeah. Oh, 
<laughs> the one that's in us is greater than the one in the world. We, we need to be acutely aware of him and not take him lightly. But listen, we do not need to fear the enemy. 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that, we, that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? We overcome the world. Satan is accusing the brethren in, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And listen to what he says. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves to God, therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. I've been, I have been emboldened by my study of, the, of, the, of this uh, spiritual war. I've been reminded of these truths. And what's happened is I've been cussing Satan out. I've been calling him a punk. I've been calling him a loser. When he brings something into my life that I know is from him, I say, uh, I tell him that he, he, he's weak. And when I do that in the presence of people, some, uh, some of our members, they've said, man, dude, Back off. You know, I want to encourage you to be bold. You do not have to fear the enemy. Look, you, what can he do to you? He can take your life, okay, so that when you open your eyes, you're in heaven with God, and you spend the rest of eternity, which this life is considered to be a vapor by Scripture. That if you, I heard one guy say that if you take, if a, if a sparrow, a tiny sparrow took one grain of sand from the East Coast and brought it to the West Coast, dropped it off, and went back. By the time he moved the whole east coast to the west coast, that would be the first second of the first day of eternity. And, that, and it's longer than that, okay? Eternity has no end. We can't keep that in our minds, though. We, can't, we need to. We need to realize this world is nothing. You know, this passage in, in uh, 1 John says, uh, we, we, we didn't even, uh, they didn't have any concern for their lives. We need to realize that, that we have a victor, and he's going to give us victory in this life and then after this life. Satan can do nothing to us. Quit, quit fearing Satan. You, you're only going to be here as long as God wants you to be here anyway. And ultimately, God will probably use Satan to get you out of this world and into the next because your death will come based on some kind of physical illness or tragedy or whatever that comes about because of sin. Y'all with me, church? Get it in your head. We do not need to fear Satan. He will flee from us. And, and, and when we leave this world, we will not leave this world at God's surprise and Satan's bidding. We're going to leave this world at God's bidding. And he's going to use Satan to help. Satan is on a chain. God has him, uses him. He is accomplishing the plan of God. And in the times when he thinks he has us whipped and he, and he can get us at fearful, uh, the whole time, God is saying, hey, I got a plan for you. I'm fixing to use this. You ready? I mean, you, you use Hannah, for instance. This past, you know, Hannah got her diagnosis of her child uh, a week ago Thursday. It was devastating for her, understandably. But you know what? She was so strong during the process. It was not her. It was God in her. She, tent I mean, she would be the first one to tell you and has said it. She's not here today. I wish she was. But you know, listen, she, she was strong, and it wasn't her. It was God in her. And Satan thought he had Hannah. 
Matter of fact, a lot of us probably thought that Satan had Hannah. I mean, what a horrible, the one thing she wanted in life was to have a child. And this horrible diagnosis come. But she was strong during the process. Why did God allow that diagnosis, that false diagnosis to be given? I mean, it, it was given and it wasn't, it wasn't from God, but he allowed it. Why? Because he could grow his child, get her ready, and then show her how good he is in the process. There is nothing that happens to you that's random. You're a child of God. Trust that. Don't fear the enemy. So remember this. You're not fighting for victory. This is a great truth to remember. Remember it this way. This is what he says in, in his book, Chip Ingram. He says, you're not fighting for victory. We're not fighting to win. You're fighting from victory. We already won. Okay, let that sink into your head. Know Satan, but don't fear him. Now, how do we know Satan? Here's where I'm going to give you a list. Ready? I'm not going over these. I'm just going to throw them up. One of the things that Chip Ingram says in his book that I'm going to give you today is this. Satan's names reveal his tactics. His names reveal his tactics. So go look at these verses. Write them down. Satan, that name, means adversary. Found in Job 1, 6 through 7, 1 Thessalonians 2, 18. Devil, which means slanderer, 1 Peter 5, 8. Lucifer, which means son of the morning, Isaiah 14, 12. And Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. Something like that. Get out your flies, water people. Matthew 12, 24. All right, I'm going to put these on the internet so you can get them. Some other names. I mean, on Facebook. Whatever. It is on the internet. Facebook is on the internet. The interweb. All right, other names. Belial, a false god. Evil one. Tempter. Prince of this world. Accuser of the brethren. And then representations of, of Satan include serpent in Genesis 3, dragon in Revelation 12, angel of light, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. Right. His names reveal his tactics. Go, go read these passages. And the, the names that you see in the, in the stories that you read in the word of God in these passages will show you who he is. You need to know him. You need it because he, his names reveal his approach. All right? God has given us through his word. He's given us intelligence for this battle against our enemy. Also, Satan attacks uh, specific, in specific ways. First of all, he attacks God's church or God's program in very specific ways according to the scripture. You know this to be true. We are experiencing it. We have experienced it. We will experience it. Satan attacks God's church. He attacks us through false philosophies. Colossians 2.8. False religions. 1 Corinthians 10.20. And the rest of the Bible. <laughs> the rest of the New Testament. Right? As we've seen. All the Gospels. False ministers. 2 Corinthians 11.14-15. False doctrine, 1 John 2, 18. False disciples, Matthew 13, 24 to 30. False morals, 
2 Thessalonians 2, 7-12. So he attacks God's church and the program that God has for accomplishing his work. We know that. We've seen that. We have a flood to prove it. He attacks God's church and in in the program that we have. You know what I love about you guys? This is probably the most people we've had in church in, I don't know, how long. You know what I love about you guys? Satan's attacking, but you were fighting. You know, you fought this morning to be here. Some of you have, yeah, I bet many of you have stories about how hard, how hard it was to get here, to be in community with one another. You've been fighting for life groups. Our life groups are record attendance right now. Talitha and I were talking this week about how we can start new life groups. You know, we're at record attendance in our life groups. Why? Because we're fighting the enemy. He's fighting and we're fighting back by doing community with one another and committing ourselves at a level we've never been committed before. Thank you for that. He is defeated. Fight. Fight for this church. Satan attacks God's people individually. He invites individually and corporately through directing governments. Daniel 10 how the government was directed in such a way and caused, you know, made these rules that caused them issues by deceiving people. 2 Corinthians 4 4, destroying lives. Hebrews 2 14. Read that, guys. That passage is so key for you right now. Through perse- persecuting the saints, Revelation 2 10, preventing service that we want to do with God. 1 Thessalonians 2.18, promoting schisms, fights, and, and, and uh, splits in the church. 2 Corinthians 2, 10, to, 10 and 11, planting doubt. Genesis 3, 1 through 5, and producing sects and cults. 1 Timothy 4.1. So he attacks God's people through those things. And then also... By provoking sin, which everyone in this room can relate to. Here's a few of them. Anger, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Pride, 1 Timothy 3, 6. Worry, Matthew 13, 22. Self-reliance, that's a good one. 1 Chronicles 21, 1. Discouragement, 1 Peter 5, 6 to 8. Worldliness, 1 John 2, 16. Lying, Acts 5, 3. Immorality, 1 Corinthians 5, 1 to 2. Listen, self-righteousness and, your, and, and good works for most of us has been our downfall. So when you read these sins, don't, don't read those sins and say, I'm guilty. Remember why I brought, I, we're giving these sins, this list of sins. It's for one reason. It's because Satan is using these things to defeat us. It's his tactic. It's what he does. He gets us holding on to sin and believing somewhere in our minds or in our, in our beings. We don't even believe it in our hearts and our minds. But somewhere we believe that our lives is going to be better if we walk in this default sin that we've held on to for so long. Satan holds us with that. We've got to get rid of those things, man. By the power of God, we have the power to, uh, to defeat the enemy through the Holy Spirit. We need to fight to fight. So there's an invisible war. And we aren't fighting against flesh and blood. We have an enemy, each one of us, everyone in this room, who is against us, hates us, and we should not take him lightly. We need to be acutely aware of him, but we do not need to fear him. We can know his tactics, and we need to to study 
his tactics so that we can do warfare effectively. Now, what do we need to remember as we join the Holy Spirit to become a community that blesses? As we walk through the book of Acts in this study, to become a community that blesses our cities, our, and I mean cities because there are a number of cities and outlying towns and villages that are represented here. So what, what do we need to do? What do we need to keep in mind and remember as we do this in order for God to use us to bring about an explosive spiritual change? Number one, Satan is defeated. Do not forget it. Get it in your mind. Write it down. Remind yourself regularly Satan is defeated. John chapter 12, verses 27 to 31. John says this, or Jesus said this, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there heard it and said that it, th it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered, The voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Jesus said this just prior to his crucifixion. The ruler of this world is cast out. He, now he still lives here in this world, but as far as his, when Jesus died on the cross and, and he was resurrected, the power that we have has defeated Satan. He is cast out. He has no power over those of you who are believers in Christ and receive the Holy Spirit. He has absolutely no power over you. He is defeated. The only power he has is what you give him. So, so don't be like the Pilates and not walk in the power that you have. He's defeated according to what Jesus said. The rule of this world will be, would, uh, be cast out. Now will the rule of this world be cast out. Number two. Not only do we need to know that Satan is defeated and remember that, but number two, Jesus destroys the work of the devil. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. And you who are dead in your trespasses and sin uh, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarms the rulers and authorities and puts them to an open shame by triumphing over them. You know what I thought this week? The song that we sang first today. Uh, I was sitting on my porch this week and, and, and uh, one of our members of the group in Ruston sent me that song. He sent it to, to all of us that were in the group in Ruston. Wanted us to sing it on Thursday night. And so I'm, I'm about to open this, this song up, and I get a text from Hannah that says her baby is perfectly healthy. And then I, then I, then I, I get that song. It was the most worshipful experience I've had in a long time. The song says, God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my strength comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. And I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. 
I will love you, Lord, my rock. Forever, all my days, I will love you. What a great song, right? Hold on to these truths. God is with us. God can give us vision like he did in Elijah's story, where we can see the truth of our circumstances. Jesus destroys the work of the devil. And I sat there in that moment, and I thought, you're a punk, and you just got beat because that baby is perfectly healthy. Now, we got other things going on in our lives, but he's a punk, and, and, and he, Satan is already beaten. We need to see that. Number three, so Satan is defeated. Jesus destroys the work of the devil. Number three, we are victors in Christ. In Christ, we are victors. We're not victors on our own. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57. It's an Old Testament quote that Paul is quoting. He says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have victory. We are victors in Christ. Remember that. Okay, so Satan is defeated. Jesus destroys the work of the devil. We are victors in Christ. Number four, we have the power and the resources to resist Satan and demonic attacks. We have that power to resist Satan and demonic attacks. He's given us the resources for that. 1 John 4, 4, he says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You have the power and the resources to resist Satan and demonic attacks. Remember that. Satan's defeated. Jesus destroys the works of the devil. We are victors in Christ. We have power, the power and the resources to resist Satan and demonic attacks. And then finally, number five, we must learn how to put on the full armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 to 18 says this. Therefore, this is right after we, the verses we read at the beginning of today's message. And this is where we're going to pick up next week. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the, in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. All right, next week we're going to start talking about what all that stuff means. And it's so different than probably many of you or any of you have ever heard it if you hadn't read this guy's uh, understanding of it. Great study on how we need to stand firm in our daily walk. Very practical stuff we're going to deal with next week. All right, so please, church, listen. For the next few weeks, I, I mean all the time, obviously, because God is doing a work in your life, and he's doing a work with us as a community. We need to commit to each other. But do all you can to be a part of this body, to, to plug in, to hear these messages, to walk with us so that we can join God in becoming this, this church, like the church in Acts, that can be used by God to bring about spiritual awakening in our town.
desperately need it. We're not trying to be somebody. We just want to love God and want the world around us to know him like we do. We got a great life, don't we? We want the rest of the world to have that too. Okay? Let's pray before we worship and close. Father, I thank you so much for all that you're doing in this body. I thank you for directing our study, bringing us to this place of studying the book of Acts, Lord, showing us who we are to you, and the Lord showing us today that when we're walking with you in life, we, even though we have an enemy and his tactics are, are effective, uh, Lord, because we are blinded to him most of the time, we're, he's sneaky, he roams around and he comes up on us when we're not ready, and some of this is just we don't have knowledge of him. That God, you are stronger than him. You've already defeated him. We can walk in victory today. We are victors in Christ. Lord, we need to know you uh, as being a God who's who's a victor, who's our victor. And so, God, I just pray for victory. I pray for healing of cancer in Carrie Grace's life and Bethany's life. Lord, I pray that you just clear up their cancer completely in miraculous ways. And we thank you, God, for what you did. In Hannah and Howe's baby's life. And Lord, we, we just praise you for that. We thank you for what you're doing in this church through through the flooding of this building and how you're just showing yourself strong. And, and Lord, just the sweet disposition of our people and their determination to walk with you. God, may everything that we're facing individually have the same effect. God, may we, may we walk in your victory. May we learn things about you that we would never know had we not had the enemy's attacks on our life. God, teach us. Teach us how to do war in the invisible world because it's affecting the visible. It's affecting the way people see you and know you. Help us to be good representations of you this week, God. Show yourself in our lives. Strengthen us, Lord. Let today's message be an encouragement and help us this week as we study these passages and we look at who Satan is and and, and his, his means of, and his tactics, God, that we would use that intelligence to walk with you. We worship you, God. We love you. We praise you. You are a beautiful God and a great, awesome Father. In Jesus' name.